0: To pay reverence for the reading of the Word of God if you can. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The Word of God says this. It says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind." with cheerfulness. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together here this morning. We thank you for the spirit, uh, Lord Father, that we've already felt, Lord, through the Sunday school hour, Lord Father, through the singing. I I thank you, Lord Father, for the heavenly home that I have promised and and waiting on me, Lord Father, just through the faith, just for the love and just for the body, Lord, that you came and sacrificed on a hill called Calvary. Lord, we uh, thank you, Lord Father, for an opportunity to be in a house, Lord, that we can uh, stand together, Lord Father, as people that's been called out, Lord Father, uh, by your marvelous grace. We Thank you, Lord, Father, for the anointing. We, we thank you, Lord, Father, for the love that you've given us. And Lord, we pray that you can use this Scripture, Lord, that you've impressed upon our hearts here this morning in a mighty way. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Amen. You can uh, be seated this morning. Now, in the book of Romans, uh, a lot of Romans up to this point, uh, in fact, most of it in majority, uh, is a lot to do with faith faith and what's saving you and faith and what leading you and faith is what gets you through the day. And we get to Romans here and in chapter 12. It really doesn't change a whole lot on the faith aspect. It changes a little bit here in a minute, but we understand that it starts off with Luke, excuse me, Romans chapter 12 verse 1. It says, I beseech, I beg you, brethren. And I really like that he uses the, it says you therefore. Now every time it says therefore, we may need to ask ourselves what's it uh, therefore," so to speak. Uh, hey, why is it telling us to stop uh, and read and listen to this? It says, Brethren, uh, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies uh, a living sacrifice. Now, uh, we are presented to God uh, as a holy, living sacrifice. Now, uh, in the Old Testament, and if we understand anything in the Old Testament, if you understand, uh, uh, sacrifices had to be made. Uh, there was animals that was brought to an altar. Uh, uh, there was animals that were killed. Uh, uh, there was animals that were cooked and burned. Uh, uh, there was animals that were brought in and given for certain sacrifices uh, uh, to forgive. Now, uh, to understand those sacrifices, uh, each one of those things had to die. Uh, they had an end to their life. Uh, there was bloodshed and it was over. Uh, to help you understand that, that's why it had to happen uh, over time, over uh, every week, over month, and even the yearly sacrifices. Uh, uh, animals had to go and die in the place of, our sins. Uh, Praise the Lord today. uh, We have a man called Jesus uh, uh, that came to die as a living sacrifice. Now, uh, to help you understand that, uh, uh, he went to Calvary uh, and he died. Uh, uh, He was put in an old grave. uh, And praise the Lord, uh, just a few days later, uh, he rose again. Uh, He stepped out of that old tomb. He is a living sacrifice for us. uh, Just as we should be uh, as a body, as a temple of a living God, We are a living sacrifice to God. Our lives are sacrificed for Him. Everything about us should be to honor and glorify God. What am I trying to point out to you is who are we? as children of, of the chosen, uh, the, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, the one that came and died for us. We are those people. Who are we? We are Christians, hopefully. Uh, with, with the Christian word means Christ-like. Uh, we should be that sacrifice that we live day in and day out. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. He didn't say present yourselves a dead sacrifice. Boy, the church house needs to come alive today. We've got a lot of folks that come to church and they, all they do is warm up pews and that may hurt your feelings uh, but if the only point of you coming to church is to keep a warm spot or, or to keep a little spot warm where you sit, it uh, you don't sing uh, you don't tithe, uh, you don't love, uh, you don't do something within the church, there's no point in coming I'm sorry I've been in churches before I'm wondering why they even show up Just going through the motions they stay home I'm sorry if that might sound ugly, but sometimes we have to have a change in our perception of who we are. Yeah. We are Christians. We are a holy, acceptable, living sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service. I like that that's there. I'm a reasonable person most of the time. <laughs> My wife will tell you, yeah, he's pretty reasonable. but Sometimes he gets off on third base and he loses me a reasonable sacrifice. What does that, what's Paul trying to tell us by saying that's, that's reasonable? What, what is that trying to show us? What he's trying to show us is something so honorable as his son coming to die for us, his spirit indwelling within your body and forgiving all of your sin Thank you, Lord. and giving you a home and glory because his son died for you. What kind of reasonableness can we ask for out of you? The reasonable service. It's also translated a reasonable worship. Okay? Can we reasonably come together <laughs> and worship as true believers? Is that not reasonable that God asks us to do those things? In verse 2, he follows up with the and. We're just connecting this on together. And be not conformed to this world. Now that word conformed, I like to do word studies. I like to look things up you probably never heard me preach, but I like to break at least one thing down. Now, I ain't no Greek professor, and I ain't no somebody that's educated, but I do know how to open up a book and find original words. That Greek word that is used to conform is, I can't pronounce it right, but it's schismatizo. It means, and I'll give you the definition. It refers to the act of an individual assuming an outward expression that does not come from within, nor is it a representative of his inner heart life. Now, what that word means, conforming, means that you are acting like something that you are not. We are not conformed to this world. I'm glad that we are not designed to speak, to think, to act, to do anything in our life that we could possibly do. We are not designed as Christians, as as, as followers of Christ, to conform to it. To look and act like the world and be Christ on the inside is the opposite of each other. It's what they call an oxymoron in the English language. It's a negative and a positive that makes no sense. In the world today, so many Christians try to conform uh, and we, we do certain things. We say this is okay. Uh, we let certain things slide by. We even try to pretend like everything's okay in somebody's life. Uh, we go to family get-togethers and we're around family members uh, that are living in sin uh, and we sort of put on the facade that everything's okay uh, with that lifestyle. And we put on the show in the church house uh, uh, that sin is okay. Uh, Sin is okay to come in. Uh, It's okay for teachers, uh, uh, for singers, uh, uh, even for pastors uh, to be living in a sinful, indulgent world where they've conformed, where they've had fun in this world. It says, be not conformed to this world. It says, but be ye transformed. Praise the Lord. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that transformed, that word that's translated transformed is used three times in the Bible. Now that word transformed is a whole lot more times probably. But that word in the Greek that was wrote by Paul here in Corinth when he was writing here to the, to the Roman church, he was writing this, he used it, this is the third time we see it in Greek. The other three times, the first time shows up in the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. The word transfigured is the same word that is used right here for us to be different. It's also used over in uh, the book of, of, of 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It describes the change that takes place in a believer's life. So we have three times this Greek word is used in the Bible. The first time is the transfiguration on the mountainside with. Uh, with, with, with amazing, wonderful, I can't imagine what happened on that mountainside, the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, uh, what exactly they saw, Uh, but I want to also realize that it's also a symbolism of what the Christian becomes when we truly start believing Uh, and I I want you to know I I guarantee that if I polled each one of you, the day that you got saved uh, you had a light come on in your life, Uh, you had a difference in your mind, you started thinking different at that exact moment Uh, that exact moment you probably Became a, a bigger, I'll put it in quotations, a, a Christian than you've ever been. You got on fire for God. What happened? So many people get on fire, they get saved, they're, they're crying at an altar, and you never see them cry on an altar again. He's still the same God the day He saved me. He's still the same blood washing me and making me whole. He's still the same love that He gave me the day that He saved my soul and the day right now that He still loves me and He has still saved my soul. I've got something to cry about, something to shout about. Where well, I've been transformed. Yeah. I'm different, folks. <laughs> you say, Zach, yeah, you're pretty crazy. I am. I love the Lord. The world sees that as crazy. The world... See, the foolishness of preaching, the Bible says. And they don't understand what's going on in the church houses. They don't understand some of the things. We've been transformed, folks. Yeah. We're not conformed to this world. Be not conformed, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I want you to realize something. We may prove it. What does that really mean? It means you're going to go through hard times. It means the church is going to go through hard times. They're going to get persecuted. There's going to be failures. There's going to be sicknesses. But you're going to be able to prove to the world, to your neighbors, to your community, prove to them who Jesus is. I'm glad there's been a lot of churches. I don't know how old this church is. I always like to ask that question. Y'all get that information together before y'all leave. I always like to know how old they are. But we got churches that's been around since 1854. I was at a church last week. Been there since 1854. How many times do you think that church has went through hard times? How many times do you think they've had failures in that church? That church is still there. That church is proving each and every Sunday to that community that they can overcome the world. They don't have to conform they don't have to uh, follow a certain line they don't have to be Democrat, Republican we don't have to conform to Alabama, Auburn or Florida or Oklahoma or anybody we don't have to conform to the world because it's not important the important part is is the love the transformation, the renewing of the mind to give us Jesus Christ it goes on to say this the first part of that is pretty much outlining who you are verses 3 through 8 changes pace Verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto you to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Boy, that's the most common problem in the church house right here. I'll tell you, verse 3 is the most common problem. And I'll tell you, it's twofold. We either think too much of ourselves or we don't think enough of ourselves. Mm-hmm. The church sits back and they say, There's no way we can grow. There's no way that we can see lost people get saved. There's no way that we have revival and people will show up. There's no way that we can come and worship God. There's no way that we can do certain things. We put limitations. Uh, We ourselves think there's no way I can teach a class. I am unworthy. There's no way that I can do certain things. Uh, And then the flip side of it is the devil sitting there telling you, uh, you ain't no good. And then the next week telling you, you're too good. Uh, You've got too much going on. Uh, You're the best teacher, the best preacher. I have been called in that before it wasn't long into my ministry I thought I had it whooped Uh, and I want you to know something I I went to a little old brotherhood down in Wadawi to a bunch of folks I didn't know I got invited by family and I made a fool of myself Uh, uh, those brothers may not have ever heard it they may not have ever seen it but I knew that I had made a fool of myself I came and and I preached Zach Stone's gospel I came and preached what I, I thought was right and I want you to realize something I ain't trying to crucify myself in front of you but we make mistakes we make failures. We fall day in and day out. You don't need to think that you are unworthy and you don't think to think that you're too high. That's the two problems in the church. If we can just be humble and know our own strengths and know our own weaknesses, and that comes from a renewed mind. We back up a couple verses there. We ought to know. It's reasonable. Verse 1 says it's a reasonable service hey we, we we got a renewed mind we know our strengths i know that i'm a i'm really i'm an introvert most people don't think introverts preach i was in sales for about five years i taught school okay public school i'm an introvert they say how do you do that i'll tell you why i can succeed at sales and why i succeed at public teaching because i'm an introvert I taught something and I sold something that I loved. I did. I designed kitchens and I did cabinetry. And I, don't, don't call me after this. You want me to come to your house? I don't, I don't want to fail my phone book. I ain't pitching nothing to you. But I want you to realize something. I love doing that. I love going to people's homes and showing them what they could do. And I was good at it. And I knew I was good at it. So I enjoyed that. I liked going into people's homes and having just a mindset of exactly what I was going to say, how I was going to say it, how I was going to lay everything out. I had a particular a style that I liked to go in and do, and I did a lot of them. And it was very enjoying for me. Now, the number one thing in sales is, hey, I had to sell to make money. Every one of us got to pay our own bills, but I enjoyed it. I loved it. I Zach, you're an introvert. I, I'm not the highlight of the party. I come before you stand at the church house today. I'm not standing here once again to highlight myself jesus is the reason that we're here if there's one thing that the church house needs to realize we don't need flashy preachers we don't need flashy deacons we don't need flashy churches we don't need the the nicest padded pews in the county we don't need the prettiest glass windows and hey you you may get mad but you don't even need the best air conditioning but boy i couldn't hardly survive without it we don't need the best things we need to have a renewed mind we need to be as this say be humble. It says in verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member is one of another. He was real close to it this morning, David, over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. This, this whole message is almost an extension of what your, what your teaching was on anyway. It says this, it says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now the body of Christ, mm, he used a lot of outside expressions when he talked about the body of Christ. He says, the eye looks at the foot. and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. He, he looks at his fingers. Uh, the fingers look at the eyes and say, I can get by without you. The legs look at the arms and so say they can get by without them. But I want you to realize everything on your body. You need it. Yeah. To live an enjoyable life, everything has to function pretty right. Now, I've seen people lose fingers. I've seen people lose eyes. and we, we know those things. But it makes life a little more difficult. It makes life harder. Now, to understand how the body works, if I get my finger cut off, blood starts rushing to it. My, my heart has nothing to do with that finger, but my heart starts racing. It starts pumping blood to that and all kinds of things to try to help it heal. And what happens to my body? I I yell with my mouth. I start running to my vehicle (laughs) to go to the hospital. Uh, The whole body, when I get injured in one spot, the whole body runs and starts to help this one failing part. One part of the body fails. The rest of it kicks into overdrive to help it. My liver my lap, my lap will start pumping this different stuff, my heart's racing, all these different things. And I don't know everything about the body, I, I'm not educated. <laughs> but everything works in unison. And the church house, when we have a brother or a sister fail and has a hard time, the whole church will swarm to it and help it as much as it can. Amen. The whole body of the church. Now, what's even more beautiful about that is, is you can't see your heart. You can't see that. How many times in the church house does things get done that nobody knows who did it? I love doing that kind of stuff. And I'm not trying to build myself up, but I love that. If there's more blessing that you get out of anything else in your life is doing things that you ain't got to sit around bragging about. I got here a while ago, and I heard, yeah, hey, thank you for working out. Hey, I don't know, what, I don't know nothing about this church. I heard people talking about uh, getting stuff done outside, like the inside of the church looked good. I know y'all got homecoming next week, different things going on. But I heard a church that became a body, and certain body parts were doing certain things. Ain't it good to know that when things need to be done, as simple as sprucing the church up to get ready for an event. They do it. Hey, I wonder if you held a prayer meeting, how many of the bodies of church would show up for your prayer meeting? A lot of times they start shrinking. When you show up and you have revival, people got things going on, they're tired during the week. We got prayer meetings, we got revivals, we got worship things that we do. And people stay at home and they don't uniform to the bodies of Christ. Now, I cut that finger off. If I get to the hospital fast enough, They're liable to get that thing back on. And if I find a sure enough good surgeon, he's probably going to fix that finger and at least get most of it back. Y'all have seen it happen. I know you've seen it happen. Now if that finger gets cut off and I just lay it on the table here. (laughs) Think about this, church. And I lay it right there and I walk away. Now what took, what, what had to happen for that finger to live? The body had to pick it up. Understand that, church. The body had to pick up the finger. If the finger had to depend upon itself, fallen and away, in despair, in no hope, the finger can't walk to the hospital. The finger dies. The body lives. I can live without that finger. I can live without my legs. I can live without my arms. But when they get separated and they fall away, they die if the body doesn't bring them back. It's the same way in the church. You've had people in this church that's fallen out of church. They do not go anywhere else. That should hurt your feelings more than anything. Now, I rejoice. I do. Now, you know, you might think I'm crazy. I rejoice when somebody ups and leaves and goes to another church. You say, Zach, that's kind of rude. If they like that church, Go. If they can grow and that church, go grow. If they can do wonderful things, teach and, and implement things and make that church just on fire, I've got to go. I don't want to see one stay at home and die. That's what happens to so many. That's one of the worrisome things in our county and our community. Uh, they come to our church, somebody says something ugly, and they don't come back. And they never go back. Because that church is full of hypocrites like every one of them. That's what they say. So we should love, folks. We gotta bring together, we gotta be a family. It says this in verse six it says having gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy, or let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith. For ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. It even says this in verse eight is he that exhorteth on exhortation. It lays out four spiritual gifts. And I like this part of Romans because as a people, as a church, it's got pretty much any scenario you can think of about what you need to realize who you are. Okay? First of all, we're a living sacrifice. Okay? We've been set apart. We don't need to conform to the world. That ought to get you ramped up, ready, to come to church and worship. And then we understand that we need to love each other because we're all important. And then it labels off four gifts. Now the four gifts it labels off prophecy, which is pretty much translated today. They had prophecy in those days. We have preaching today. We can we can we can understand that as preaching. Now preaching is transitioning to that's uttering God's will. And today it has become illuminating the gospel. Uh, today preachers, that is our job. That is my job. As I have to preach the gospel. If I preach a message and it does not have the word Jesus somewhere in it, if it does not have Him dying on the cross somewhere in it, if it does not have His love for you somewhere in it, and how to be saved somewhere in it, I feel like I've failed. And I realized that quite a long time ago, even before I started preaching, that was a requirement in a message. We have prophecy and we have ministry. It says this, or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Service of all kinds is what that's trying to say. We have, well, we have so many ministries in the church. In fact, you have a ministry, and I want you, to, every one of us has got one. It's that thing we do for free. Y'all, y'all realize that? The things that we, we say, well, yeah, we do that for the church because we love the church. We do that for, for God because we love Him. We do it for Jesus. We, we tell people we love them. It drives my family crazy. It does. I do this right here, and I don't care if it drives them crazy. It drives my mom and daddy nuts. We go out to eat. My little old niece, well, she gets plum-embarrassed. I don't care where we go. Every other week we go out to eat on Friday nights. We went out this, Friday, this past Friday night. We sat down and uh, you know I know people that work in the restaurant business probably are not having a good day. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's mean ugly people. There's mean ugly people you're working with. There's mean ugly people you gotta serve. It's Nothing can be right. You better believe when they come over to my table I got a smile and I call them my buddy and my friend and I tell them I love them. I do all kinds of nice things to them old waiters. and wait- Boy, I tell you what it drives my family nuts. I love it. I do. I love for people to have a big old smile on them. I went through Chick-fil-A the other day and did it. I got the best response I have ever got. guy pretended he was family Said, Hey, cuz, I ain't seen you in a long time. Almost, I thought he was going to reach through the window and hug me. It just threw me off. I hadn't had that kind of response. I hadn't tried the Chick-fil-A. Now, that's the Lord's chicken. And I tell you what now, they're real nice there. Yeah. They just loved on me. I could tell he had something that I had. We see, we, we, we are supposed to portray a Christian-like attitude no matter what's going on. I'm at work. Anybody comes to my desk is my buddy and my friend. I love them before they leave. And that has got some weird looks. <laughs> but I do. I love them. I appreciate them. We have a ministry to do, and that's my ministry. It's to love folks. Tell people that I love them. Let us wait on our ministry. He that teacheth on teaching. Now teaching is listed very high in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 as a gift that God has given us. And boy, teachers deserve it. I've been in the public education system. I've taught Sunday school before. I've taught the, uh, the adult class. And boy, I just loved it to death. I love teaching. And they need your prayers. I don't care who's teaching. I- I've learned so much from preaching and I've learned so much from teaching that I've grown as a Christian just by doing those jobs. So you have prophecy, you have ministry, you have teaching, and boy, this one here's going to get you now. I like this last one. He that exhorteth on exhortation. Now if you read that and you don't know what exhorting means, hey, you're going to skip that. But buddy, I like number four more than any of them. I read a comparison this week to what an exhorter was, tried to explain in the old times. And what an exhorter was, and they use a, a symbolism of a fireplace. So you got a little fireplace in your house, and you got a fire built. And as the night goes on, what happens to the fire? It dies down. There's ambers, but there's no fire. And the exhorter, used in the Greek language here, an exhorter is somebody that wakes up in the middle of the night and pokes some fires. Stir. Stirs that stuff up, gets that fire back going. Now I want you to know, church, if there's any job listed in them four uh, that we've got listed off in today's church, well, I like exhorters. I like people uh, that come to church fired up, studied up, prayed up. Hey, they're ready to come. They sing harder than they've ever sung before. They praise the Lord harder. They hit an altar no matter what. Uh, they don't care if they got four or five kids with them. They'll drag the kids up there. They're going to pray at an altar. They're going to pray for their, for their church. They're going to pray for their leaders. Uh, they're going to pray for their community. They ain't going to have a chance go by that they don't exhor- They don't fan up that old fire. Hey, the church needs a fire about them today. We need something about us uh, that the world looks at and say, them folks are crazy. I want some of what they got over there. Hey, when I see Alabama football, now I love Alabama football, and I done said a while ago, I watched maybe two games last year, because a long time ago I figured out it ain't really that important no way. Uh, Them old uh, 18 to 24-year-old boys tackling, sweating all over each other, hey, they don't really do a whole lot for me anymore. Uh, But I want you to realize at one time uh, I used to follow Recruiting, I used to know who was coming in, uh, uh, who was going out, uh, who was transferring, uh, who all the coaches were. If you ask me right now who the offensive coordinator was, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Defensive coordinator, I know Nick Saban. That's about it. Okay. It says Zach, you don't sound like much of a fan. I'm not. I try to say I am. I'm a fan of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm a fan of Him. I'm a fan of His Word. I came in last night late Auburn game was on I thought to myself I'd really like to watch that Auburn game I stopped in the living room sat down in the recliner I guarantee 15 seconds watch that game and said I got to study for tomorrow I, I'm, I'm not prepared to, to preach tomorrow so I went and I studied turned went, left them in the in the living room I was in there alone studying why because I love Jesus more than any kind of football TV family Jesus' family came to him there at one time and he said who is my brother who is my who is my mother he said all of you are that's the kind of love Jesus had for us he turned his back on his, his mama a little bit and his, his brothers to tell the, the men that followed him you are important mm-hmm. If there's anything that you can understand about these four gifts these four wonderful things is that we got them all in the church you can't skip number two ministry we've all got a ministry if you don't think that you're worthy, you are. If you think that you're unworthy, you're not. If you think that you're too high, you're not. We have a set thing to do. Now after this, he gives four gifts. Prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation. Mm, I like exhortation. But he's got three things you should do after that that are not gifts. He says, "Let him, uh, He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now all three of those things are very obvious to me. I mean, they're very simple to understand. It says very, very clearly, it says, uh, He that giveth, let him do it. What does that mean? We just took up an offering a while ago. If you can give, give. And I know <laughs> there's been times in my life that I could give a whole lot more than I do at different times of my life. They got that tithe for 10%. I'm glad the word we just studied it this morning to be a cho- cheerful giver. Be somebody that likes to give. It don't matter if you give 20, 30%. Give as much as it makes you happy. You ain't got to wave a flag in the back and say, hey, come take up this big check. But if you got it, give it to the Lord. My goodness, a church. If you, if you ain't going to a church that ain't doing the right things with the money, you need to leave. Right. Right. I ought to be able to trust my church with my money. Give. The next one says, him that ruleth. He that ruleth with diligence. Now, what is that somebody? You have somebody that can give money, that's got money, and there's ones that can organize and lead a certain thing in the church. I'm glad that the church is full of leaders that don't even realize they're leaders. Mm-hmm. They can plan, they can implement, they can put together, and they can get together and focus on the, on the same thing and get something done. Boy, I have loved being at churches where you show up on a Sunday morning. I, I guarantee you that any pastor loves this. You show up, you ain't got to worry about nobody being there. If somebody ain't there, there's three other people that love to do that job too. You're going to show up. Everybody's there. Everybody do their job. If somebody ain't there, somebody steps right in. You ain't got to ask them. You ain't got to worry about it. Revival comes. All the people show up are supposed to show up. And I tell you what, it makes church so much more enjoyable. When people want to be a part of the body of Christ, when people want to make a difference, when you matter, and I want you to tell you, you matter today. If you don't matter and you don't think you do, get a job today. Hey, somebody let you do it. <laughs> you say, Zach, you know, uh, they need somebody to cut the grass. All I got is a pair of scissors. Well, if you want to bring and cut them grass and them scissors, come do it. I want you to know that God will use you. And I ain't telling you all, go not want to do that. Zach, something needs to be done. And I don't know how to do it. I'll pray about it. Read a book. Watch YouTube. There's a lot of stuff I don't know how to do, and I watch YouTube, and guess what? I know how to do it right then. I've taught things before I didn't know how to do Or it's a YouTube video. I show them how to do it. The church house is looking for leaders. The next thing that they show to do is he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. He that showeth mercy. That's tough. My wife will tell you sometimes I get mad. (laughs) I get mad at her. I get mad at kids. I get mad at everything in the world. I feel like the whole world's crashing down on me, and I want to get in a little corner and sulk. Any of y'all ever do that? You just get, mm, I don't know why things have to be the way that they are. Why, why does things have to uh, follow the certain things? Show mercy. What that's true to telling this is to go. Be the one that's there if you can show mercy. Not all of us can. Not all of us are loving. I am not the type. I, my wife would. Oh, This is real. right on top of the things that's wrong with me. I can't. I can I just can't handle it when she starts crying, brother. She starts crying. As, I, I'm, I'm not good. And she'll tell you, if you ask her after church service, you, you cry sometimes? Don't, I, he don't know what to do. He'll leave. <laughs> he'll go grocery shopping. He will cut the, he'll do anything. <laughs> she's got a smirk back her. He will do anything to get away from me if I'm crying. I don't know what to say. Kimberly, I, I love her to death. I'm putting all my marital problems in front of y'all this morning. It's all right. But she starts to cry. I don't know what to say. I'm not that person I'm glad that she has plenty of people to call on and I I do hug her and love all her son but I, I don't have the words sometimes I need to say there are people that have to go out and go and show mercy the word that's used for mercy there is sort of a verb like word it's telling you to go out and show mercy it's not telling you to sit back and wait for somebody to come to you it's telling you to go out and show love show mercy show forgiveness there are people in this church I know that are strong in that I know it I know people all the time that are very good at hugging people embracing them praying for them in a time that they need prayer and is that you? four gifts the three things that you can physically do who are you? who are we as a church? are we just a building that we come to and we worship on Sundays and Wednesdays and have revivals and have some singings is that what we are? We have to ask ourselves that question. Who are we? Are we truly a living sacrifice for God? Are we truly what the church is supposed to be? Are we a loving, shown, expressed, preached, prophesied, taught, loved? Are we that church? Well, the church, the building ain't got nothing to do with it. It's you. Are we who we are? Are we who we say we are? Are we truly what Christ was like? You know that mercy, when the woman at the well showed up, and she had had multiple husbands, and the one that she was living with then wasn't her husband, the law said to bring her out and stone her. But you know what God did? He showed mercy. He showed love. When he seen that old leper, he didn't say unclean, unclean, don't touch me. He showed mercy. brought him in, and he cleaned him. When he went to the one that was possessed with many demons and they were legion, he didn't say that's an old crazy guy that lives in a cemetery that's chained down and broke chains and I ain't going over there, he's crazy. He went to him and he showed mercy and he cast out those demons. I want you to know when when, when Jesus showed up on the scene, it was never any other thing than mercy. It was mercy for him to be born. It was mercy for him to live a perfect life. It was mercy for him not to accept satan's offer for him to rule the world it was mercy all the way through those 33 years it was mercy that put that blood on that cross it was mercy that saved my soul grace is what saved it but mercy is what brought the grace what are we today church are we truly mercy are we love somebody walks through their doors and they look a little different they speak a little different they act a little different can you show them mercy Can you show them love? I guess y'all do a song of invitation. I'll ask you.